Hi, and thank you for having me. So my name is Lori Sloss. I live in San Clemente, California. And if I had to describe myself, I would tell you that I'm a wife to an amazing husband, David. I'm a mother to three great boys. Matthew, who is 11.975, his birthday's in a week, and he tells me every day is decimal. Uh, Zachary, who is um, going to be 10 in July, and Gabriel, 6. They all go to St. Edward's School across the parking lot. And then I also have an ill-behaved wheaten terrier, two cockatiels, and a nine-year-old goldfish. I'm an insurance agent. And I also um, am on the board of the Latino Business Council. I'm the secretary in San Juan Capistrano to help Latino business owners establish themselves in the community and provide some mentoring for them. I am president-elect of the San Juan Rotary Club. I'm a member of the parish council. I'm team mom of the academic decathlon team over at the school. We just won state. And I'm a friend, a daughter, a sister, and um, I just try to be a good person. Uh, I grew up in San Bernardino, California without any faith. Uh, we didn't go to church, so I'm a convert. I, I joined this journey. I started about 15 years ago, uh, 14 in RCIA. And it wasn't that I didn't believe in God, because I did. I just didn't know God. Um, my dad worked three jobs growing up, so Sunday was sort of the only day he had off, and the only day we spent together. And it wasn't part of, I guess, the way the family thought that we could spend it together at church. But I always believed in God, but to me, God wasn't something that was tangible. The only prayer I knew was the now I lay me down to sleep, and I was sort of afraid to say it, <laughs> because I didn't want to sort of die. And the only concept I really had of Jesus was the baby Jesus that came out of the nativity every every Christmas. And it was because it was beautiful, but we never really talked about it, and we never knew about the suffering of Christ and the adult Christ. But I was always curious, so I was always going to church with friends, um, especially when I was in high school, it was the dawn of Calvary Chapel, so I would go with friends to Riverside and hear Greg Laurie preach, and people getting down on their knees, and that's what scared me. <laughs> And I went to synagogue with my Jewish friends. I was at the Catholic church with my Catholic friends. I was always exploring. And I always believed. And I always felt that there was something there. But I never had a definition to it. Um, my dad, when I was in high school, um, became an insurance agent for a large company. He's been doing it about 33 years. And through him, that's how I got introduced to insurance. I worked in his office. And then later, after college, I went to the University of Redlands. And I have a degree in economics and political science. So I ended up somehow adjusting claims, <laughs> arguing with attorneys and, and negotiating lawsuits and doing all that, which was sort of what I, I thought I was going to go the law school path. And this ended up being a nice, happy medium for me. I worked for a couple other carriers and got into the operations side of it. And eventually when I left the industry about 10 years ago, I was an operations manager. I ran a claims office, and then I wrote corporate workflows uh, for the company I worked for at the time because we were going through an acquisition. I took time off to have my kids um, and, and raise them. My, my husband works in the IT industry, so we were fortunate enough that I could you know, be home with him for a while, but we always knew in the back of our minds that we wanted our own business. We didn't want to leave our destiny in the hands of somebody else. 
And we'd seen my dad, and he'd been very successful, and still is very successful in his business. And that was sort of the path that we found. My husband speaks fluent Spanish, I speak fluent insurance. And it made more sense to do that than try to open a restaurant or something that we didn't know anything about. So about five years ago, I started applying and inquiring and, and looked into the same company where my dad was. And they accepted me into the program and said, you can have an agency in San Juan Capistrano. And I went through about a year of training in-house and then another year with uh, some other agents. And then in September of 2011, we opened our agency. Beautiful office. We did everything the way the company said we should do it. My husband took time off of work um, to help open the business. So there was two of us working so I could avoid all the hours and still be a mom. And I've never apologized for being a mom in business, and I never will. In fact, it sort of tends to be one of the things that draws people to me. I'll tell my clients now, I, you know, I gotta go pick up my kids at school. But I'll call you when I get back, or you might hear a dog in the background, but that's because I need to be with my kids as much as I need to help you, and it's all okay. So my kids came to the office every afternoon when we had it. They did their homework around my desk. We built a room for them so that they could play and do their homework. They had a kitchen. They had some place that they felt comfortable and they weren't too rattled by the fact that mom was now back at work and their life had changed. It was a different company when I started the agency than I worked for growing up. When I worked for it growing up, it was a very family-oriented company. It was about values, it had Midwestern values. We, we found out along the course of the journey that that wasn't quite the case, and that I was just a, sort of a pawn in this game to grow business. Um, at one point I remember being told by my manager that the company had sacrificed a lot for me, and that maybe I was trying to balance having my family and having the things around me too much, and that maybe I should sacrifice some of that if I wanted to be successful in the company. And that sort of made me more determined to show it could be done. Um, the way the company worked was, uh, you had a year training contract when you opened your office, and then at the end of that year, you became a lifer, for lack of a better term. They let you stay forever. You owned what part of your agency you owned per your contract. Two weeks before I was supposed to sign my contract, they said, you know what? We don't think we're going to go forward with you. It's not your production. All we can say is it's personal. I never heard from anybody again. We had two weeks to shut down. We could no longer represent them. Mind you, I had a five-year lease. We had invested over $100,000 into the business. And they just said, see, I never heard from the people that hired me, that said they believed in me, that supported me, and it was over. And that's then. And I remember the day that they told me. It was my first parish council meeting. And the reason I'm on parish council was because I joined Rotary Club. And Dennis Flynn says, hey kid, we're taking applications for parish council. I think there might be something there for you. And I said, I don't know Dennis. I'm a, I, you know, I haven't been at the church. I don't know the Bible. I don't know. He says, it's not about that. It's about your heart. And we like your, I like your heart. So just come. So I showed up, and, I got, and, and so it was the first meeting, and I'd been crying all day, and I told my husband, there's no way I could possibly make this meeting. And he said, you know what, go anyway. Go a little early, go look at the ocean, do whatever it is you need to do, but just go. 
He goes, because you're going to have to face a lot of people, and if you can't face the people in that room, who can you face? So I remember sitting in the church, and the funny thing about the way I pray, and I guess it's because my faith is very similar to my children's, and then it's new. Um, I converted officially 10 years ago, pregnant with my second child, and it's sort of new. And so I don't quite yet feel like I have the right to ask God for anything. I always thank God. So whenever we pray, we pray thanks. You know, thank you God for this. I can pray for other people and ask other people to do things for me, but I, I really have a hard time saying, God fix this for me. So I went into the church, and I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. I just sat there and said, you know, give me some peace. I don't ask you for much. Can you give me some peace and let me know how I'm going to get through this? Because we felt like we had nothing. We lost our savings. We lost our jobs. We are on the line for, gosh, $250,000 potential rent for a five-year lease. And we're saying, what are we going to do? And we had never had to worry about money in our lives. Our attitude was, it's only money. We don't fight over it. We don't talk about it because it's money. There's much more important things. And a couple of things came to light sitting in that church. It was number one, there's a lot of things in this world that are worse than not having your name on a door. There's people that are losing their children to cancer. There's people fighting cancer themselves. And there's a lot worse things that are happening in this world than what is happening to us. The second thing was that I was going to leave this with grace and dignity. I was not going to let anybody know my hurt, my anger, my bitterness. Because that was all going on. And we were mourning. We were mourning the loss of a dream. It's like somebody died and all these emotions. But I'm like, I'm going to handle myself in a way that I'm going to look back at this and be proud. And I'm also going to be proud of what we did together as a family and of the business that we built, and everything we poured our hearts into. Because it was all for the right reasons, and we had a lot of good times. I got to spend every day with my husband, which was huge, because that's how we met, working together. So I went to a meeting, and we forged through. And over the next couple of weeks, God showed himself in so many ways to us with the support. And everyone said, I know you don't want to hear this now, but it all happens for a reason. I had strangers that I'd met once showing up in my office. We heard, we're so sorry, can we do anything? Someone brought us a box of food when we were like, how are we going to pay our bills? And food arrived. Um, I had um, one gentleman I met through my networking group who came and sat down and said, listen, because you're going to get through this, you're going to be better. I sell insurance too, I'm an independent, I'm going to help you learn how to do this. I don't care if I never write another piece of business in San Juan Capistrano because you're better at it than I am, I'm going to help you. And every week he took me to coffee to encourage me to keep going and to keep moving and taught me whatever he knew, introduced me to everyone he knew. And I had only known him like eight months. My Rotary Club banded together, what can we do, you know, made sure I came to every meeting to support me. We, we just had all these people around us. And it, became, it started becoming really clear to us that you know maybe the reason it all happened was so we could be touched by all these people and sort of appreciate what matters. And um, at one point, my husband said to me, we're sitting there, and he goes, you know, it's for, maybe we're just meant to be humble. And I, and I sat, and I didn't take it when he said that, as if we were meant to be humble as a poor. But maybe we're just meant to be humble as in accepting and listening to what God's plan was. Because sometimes you can fight and fight for something that you think is right and not just surrender to what's been given to you and make the best of it. 
And, and I took that, you know, because in front of God we're all the same. I'm no better, I'm no worse. And we were always worried about being too successful, believe it or not. We didn't want to have so much money that we would not give our children anything to be better for, or not, you know, to live a life of excess. We, we always were humble people at our core. And, and so every day, and, and accepting help is part of the humility, you know, and, and because I'm a very strong person, I've never needed to ask people for help. I've been independent since I was 17 years old. And, um, and to be humble and, and accept the help of others. And I learned that you're not defined by what obstacles are thrown in your path. I think you're defined by the right way that you handle these obstacles and the way that you handle your life. And I sort of felt like I had all these amazing people supporting me and coming forth. And to not accept that with an open heart and not to smile at them and to greet them wouldn't be honoring God because they were like God's light coming in my window. And I didn't want to shut the shutters on it and not be open to what God is giving to me. And, and that, I think, was the greatest gift we got out of it. And, and through this, as, as it would progress, we sort of found out we were happier than we'd ever been. Uh, less, you know, we had nothing financially. But everything spiritually, emotionally, we're tighter as a family, we're tighter as a couple. And we have these amazing gifts of people in our lives that we had never had before. I wouldn't be here had I not done this. I, I wish it would have been a little less expensive to get me here. <laughs> I, I would not have been here had it not been for taking that chance and, and, and getting out there and doing that. So we're much richer for this. And... Um, and we just try to live a life of gratitude. And on the grayest, because that's how I pray. So on the darkest of days, it was a matter of just finding what we were thankful for. And, and some days it was a stretch. But we always found something to be thankful for. And focused our grief and everything on gratitude. And, 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 and try to live a life of gratitude. And so that's how we've continued to get through it. And so now the chapter is closed. And we're on to a new chapter. My husband has a great job. I open my own agency. I work from home. I'm an independent agent. I own it. I don't use anybody's logo other than my own. My business is only on referrals. I'm not marketing. But I'm getting 10 to 15 a week of people calling me just going, hey, can you help me? And I do. But they call me the insurance concierge because I find a solution and I find the best price and I do it ethically with my with my heart and with the knowledge that I've had for so many years. And I'm really looking forward to the next chapter, and I'm very grateful for the last. And I thank you very much for having me tonight. Yes, ma'am. It was about a year ago, so we're just coming off nine months from when it happened. My middle child is my one with a huge heart, and he, when I had to tell him, it was probably one of the hardest things I ever had to do, he looked at me and started crying, he's like, how can we take away our dream? So we really had to mourn the loss of the dream, and I'm like, and we just always reassured him that everything would be, be okay, and we insulated them as much as we could from everything that was going on. You know, are we going to lose our house? Are we not going to lose our house? You know, how are we going to get this? We sort of insulated him. And I think part of the, the reason we were able to do that is that we had six hours a day when they were at school that we could deal with all of that. 
And as soon as they came home, we stopped at the beach and took a walk. We did things. We reassured them that we loved them. We laughed. We watched movies. You know, we just kept them grounded and we prayed together constantly. But we never, we, we kept praying thankful things. We never asked and prayed for God to fix it. We never asked God to keep our house safe or anything like that. We just thanked God for what we had. And, and I don't think they ever sensed that there was, you know, what we felt like we could implode at any minute. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.